0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the August 19th, 2021 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's get started. The Mesa County Clerk and Recorder drama reached a fever pitch this week. Secretary of State Jenna Griswold said that the current Clerk and Recorder, Tina Peters, could not oversee the November election this year and appointed the former Clerk and Recorder, who is now the Mesa County Treasurer, as an election supervisor to the county. However, Mesa County commissioners disagreed with Griswold's appointment and rebutted with an appointment of their own, former Colorado Secretary of State Wayne Williams. Patty, I didn't know this was going to get crazier from last week, but lo and behold, it proved last week was just an opening act. Where on earth do we go from here?
1: Well, the eyes of the world, according to Mike Lindell... Mr. MyPillow, are going to be on Mesa County because although he hasn't been able to approve election fraud in other places, this Mesa County thing is getting big, he uh, told Vice magazine on Wednesday. And interestingly, I mentioned last week people going to the mattresses. Apparently, Tina Peters has. She is in a safe house set up by Mike Lindell right now. Meanwhile, over in Mesa County, the great thing is, Wayne Williams, who was the former Secretary of State, is playing nice with Sheila Rayner, who has been appointed, she was appointed by Jenna Griswold, Wayne was appointed by the commissioners, and those two, on their own, decided they would work together, so we can assume Mesa County will not only have an election in November, it will have the cleanest, most efficient election ever, because by uh, Wayne Williams, as we know, did a good job as secretary of state. And he also was the one who hired Dominion, who is currently suing the voting systems, that is currently suing Mike Lindell, Rudy Giuliani, and um, among others, Joe Altman, who was on the lam because he failed to show up for a deposition. And he's from Parker. So the world is all watching our Mesa County for election fraud issues.
0: And I don't know for sure, but I think Trump won Mesa County. So, I mean, if this is going to be the hotbed of election fraud, probably not a good example. But but but,
1: but this, this is May. May was when the leak came in. So who knows what the dog catcher maybe was coming up?
0: That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, David Copel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. So it's... I, it's very Colorado, I think, to see Wayne Williams and uh, Sheila Rayner working together, which is what yeah. you expect out of solid clerk and recorders and secretaries yeah. of state, which is great. But if for some reason they weren't yet, do we know who would have had the authority? Is it the commissioners? Is it the secretary of state? Does the governor come in and break a tie? Do, do we <laughs> even know how that works?
2: It's, it's, it's very confusing. Uh, secretary Griswold did not purport to remove uh, Peters from the office and create a vacancy because she obviously clearly doesn't have that power. And the the Colorado Constitution is clear that when there is a vacancy in in county offices like clerk and reporter, the replacement is appointed by the board of county commissioners. The uh, Secretary Griswold's purported uh, order to Peters that she can no longer supervise the election, even though she can do other clerk things like record marriages and automobile registrations. She bases it on Colorado statutes that say the Secretary of State shall supervise the clerks in their election duties and the clerks have to o- obey the instructions of the Secretary of State. Now, it's kind of an ex- a pretty big extrapolation to go from that to saying that she can remove an elected clerk uh, from from doing her duties. So we're in a very uh, un- unclear type uh, unclear situation that the, the laws don't really provide for, and it, to my knowledge, we've, I've, we've never had a Secretary of State uh, purport to assume uh, such authority.
0: Penfield Tate, attorney with Tate Law, also a former state lawmaker. Uh, this is right up your alley. We have legal, we have state government, we have everything else here. So it's wonderful to have you here, Pen. Uh, you know, it, we're getting a lot into, which I think is appropriate, into the replacements of who can handle the November elections in Mesa County. But I uh, you know, don't want to bury the lead. There's also a big reason why we need someone to oversee the November election in Mesa County is because the person who should be doing it isn't allowed to or shouldn't be doing it and may right now not even be in the state. When you look at this circus. What stands out to you?
3: Um, How incredible it is that someone elected to do a job would jeopardize the position they're in for the sake of furthering some weird political conspiracy ideas or thoughts out there, and in the process, apparently break the law in an effort to try to prove a conspiracy that ironically is questioning whether the law has been followed or whether an election has been stolen. You know, we've talked about this many times before on this show. Sometimes you can't make this stuff up. It's just so bizarre and so weird. Um, it's hard to follow. But I think um, Secretary of State Griswold had the authority to do what she did. Somebody had to do something. Um, If the the county commissioners had acted sooner, maybe she might not have acted, but someone had to do something. And so uh, Mesa County needs someone who has some level of credibility to run elections. Secretary of State Griswold is taking care of that.
0: And making his premiere here at the Colorado Institute Table, in Thomas Defoyer. thank you so much for being here, activist and community builder. There are a whole lot of issues here, a lot of different uh, angles. What do you think, what stands out to you as some of the most relevant things that we should be taking away from this uh, story?
4: The thing that I'm the most excited about when it comes to this story is that both Republicans and Democrats are agreeing that how crazy this is, and they're willing to go to the mat to protect our democracy. Now, whether it works out that who has the authority, the commissioners, or what, what, The fact is they're coming together at the right time to ensure that the bedrock of our democracy is protected. I was on the phone with some of my colleagues out in Fruita. They're very excited to see the state stepping in. I think we're going to come to a better compromise. From what I've read in the newspaper, uh, I'm a little concerned about the voting machines and whether they're going to have new ones or we're going to do this old school late night counting. But I believe there will be crowds there making sure they do it right.
0: It'll certainly be entertaining to watch. Colorado Democratic Representative Jason Crow made headlines with his statement on Afghanistan this week. Crow, a veteran of the Afghanistan war, stated that the U.S. had plenty of time to handle the evacuation properly and that it should have begun months ago. Crow is joining forces with other representatives to urge Biden to keep the Kabul airport open as lo- for as long as possible. Uh, David, uh, it's a, a huge international story, but as we're trying to do, you know, keep it to a Colorado angle. And Representative Crow certainly provided that. What did you think of his comments?
2: Uh, they were sincere, and as he put out in, in an email uh, recently, he said he was heartbroken. Um, and on his congressional website, he's got good resources uh, for people who want to help uh, Afghani refugees or or uh, former U.S. soldiers. Uh, the, the president, plainly, is not heartbroken. Brushed, uh, brushed a question off from George Stephanopoulos as saying, oh, that happened four or five days ago. Uh, which is consistent with what he told Richard Holbrook, uh, President uh, Obama's special envoy to Afghanistan and Pakistan, uh, previously about uh, getting getting our allies out in case of withdrawal. He said, we don't have to worry about that. We did it in Vietnam. Nixon and Kissinger got away with it. And uh, he's done the opposite of what the British and French are doing, which is sending in their military to rescue their people trapped behind uh, Taliban lines. The administration won't He says we planned for every contingency, uh, but he shut down the State Department's Contingency and Crisis Response Bureau. Uh, The Soviet Union in 1989 proved you can withdraw from Afghanistan in an orderly way. You take your weapons out, you don't leave them to be captured by the enemy. You don't leave Bagram Air Force Base in the dead of night without telling your Afghani allies. You don't leave 5,000 high value Taliban prisoners behind to be released and uh, returned to jihad. Um, You consult with your allies. the opposite of what Biden did, who wouldn't take a phone call from the from uh, the British prime minister for 36 hours. The odds of a Chinese invasion of Taiwan and of much more jihad against the United States have greatly increased because of the fecklessness of the Biden administration.
0: Penn, I think we've seen critics from all angles on this one. Jason Crow has uh, a unique perspective as, as, as a representative, as a Democrat, and as a veteran of the war. Do you think that is going to hold a certain amount of uh, authority when it comes to what happens next?
3: You know, it might, but, but I would respectfully offer that. And, and I think Congressman Crow made good points, and you're right. It's two tours in duty uniquely qualify him to talk about this. But I think we're all missing the forest for the trees. The real issue is this country has not learned, after Vietnam, that you can't necessarily militarily occupy a country or a region, impose your will and your preferred form of government and economic system on a country and a people whose religion, whose culture, whose history may be diametrically opposed to what you're trying to impose upon them. This result was inevitable, whether the U.S. pulled out during George Bush II, who started this, during Obama, during Trump, or now. This result was inevitable. You cannot compel control over people who the whole concept of what you want to impose on them is just foreign to their very being. And as a country, we've got to understand that with this administration and future administrations with regard to our foreign policy, are we're going to be right back here again.
0: Ian, not only do we have, I think, the questions surrounding the evacuation, but we now, we're seeing the pictures of them, but there are uh, Afghanistan refugees landing in different parts of the United States, including uh, some will be here in Colorado, and opinions come out about that. So this is not just an opinion of, well, we see it on some photos or some video of an evacuation, but now the the very people that we're hoping to secure what what happens to them now Um, how do you think colorado citizens and Colorado organizations will be responding to the entire issue
4: well i believe that there are lots of groups that are ready to help resettle individuals i think we have a larger immigration system problem all the way around of people trying to do this work Um, you know i'm 35 years old 9 11 happened on my way to american history class when i was in 10th grade many of my friends were injured in afghanistan um, in iraq And what I would say is I would agree this neoliberal idea of nation building isn't working. We have homeless people in our own streets. We're rebuilding infrastructure and then blowing it up and rebuilding it and blowing it up in these other places. Um, You know, with climate crisis coming, we're going to have to figure out a better way to have an immigration system. But I would agree wholeheartedly with Jason Crow. This could have been done better. There's no doubt about that. And we should do our due diligence to get these individuals out. The ones that helped us and those that are seeking asylum, I'm for asylum seekers.
0: Patty, we've gone from pictures of all these different people on C-17s to now where are they going to land and then what happens there, How not just getting them out is a priority, what happens next. How do you think Colorado will respond?
1: Well, I think with Jason Crow helping to push, Colorado will respond in a very welcoming way. You don't see any indication that if it is allowed to. You know, um, Jason Crow, one of his staffers is a former Afghani interpreter, and he, Jason Crow was pushing early on to up the number of visas that were allowed for the people who needed to leave Afghanistan to make them work faster. And that's when you get into, yes, the end was going to be inevitable, but it did not have to inevitably be this bad, that they could have started moving people out a lot earlier. Certainly, we knew we were leaving. That had been announced. There was no excuse for that. And when David talks about weapons being left behind, you look at the planes and the tanks and everything that's been left behind, and you're like, If you knew you were leaving, I think you could actually get rid of those or disable those. You don't need to leave the Taliban in a position where they have a really well-equipped army.
0: School districts across the state are issuing various levels of mask mandates as classes begin this month. The changes are creating confusion for some parents and controversy among school districts, with some public meetings resulting in the need for security and police escorts of officials to cars. Uh, Penn... I can understand the confusion, but frankly, you need an advanced class in uh, geometry to figure out all the different angles of this issue. What what county are you in? What school district within that county? Is it a county commissioner versus a school district? And at what age are you? to have to wear a mask or not? I can understand the frustration. I'm not sure if it requires security, but I get it. Uh, What is the right response to all this confusion?
3: I mean, I think the right response is to take a step back and, and as a community, acknowledge a couple of things. Number one, the Delta variant wasn't planned. And number two, it's causing breakthrough infections. Number three, this disease kills people and it kills and hospitalized kids. And, and so I think once you accept that fact, the question then becomes, and so many people have said it, it's about the sciences, it's about medicine, what do you do? Masks have been proven to work. Vaccinations used to work until the Delta variant came around. And now, you know, we've got three U.S. senators with, with, with breakthrough infections of COVID. And so school districts, if they're going to act in the best interest of the kids and the teachers and indirectly their parents, I think have a right to impose um, these mask mandates. Yeah, there needs to be better coordination. You shouldn't be a parent waking up in the morning, have three kids in three different schools and not be certain what you're supposed to do with each of your children Um, we've got to have better coordination but part of the problem is we've still got people running around without masks who refuse to get vaccinated so you've got a fundamental disagreement with some people who are basically saying i want to play russian roulette with your life and my life and do nothing and that's we've got to figure out a way to break through and address that issue
0: in local control for school districts has always been an important issue in Colorado, and with the various populations we have, it's, it's good that we have that, but in this case, it's creating a lot of confusion. Do you think it is time for, uh, whether it's a state mandate or some state guidance, to step in?
4: Well, I think state guidance from health officials is always a good thing. We saw that through the pandemic. I'm really in favor of precautionary principle. What can we do to save the most amount of people and protect the most amount of people? And that's to wear masks. I mean, simple. But we can't pretend like masks is the only thing that needs to happen. We need real procedures and guidelines for isolating people, for closing classrooms, for actually talking to parents, for letting teachers know. I would say a lot of people are caught up in the mask mandate. It's those deeper issues that are really important. And, you know, for people of color, for youth who are dying at higher rates or- exposed to higher levels of pollution, that's a real deal for us. And I would think in rural Colorado, where you have to go much farther to get to a hospital and there are fewer beds, that they would be a little bit more precautionary.
0: Patty, uh, like we talked about, the confusion, I can at least understand. I can uh, empathize with, with parents. But Uh, Where I got confused was seeing the images that uh, different police and security needed at school board meetings and officials needing escorts to their cars. Uh, These are big decisions, but it shouldn't come down to personal threats of safety. Um, When you looked at all these different headlines, uh, what came to you?
1: Well, when you talk about personal safety, look at the last year and a half, how uncivil our society has gotten, and there's no question it has become worse Uh, It's not just words that people are using now. Now that they can get back together, it's also actions. So that is not surprising. It's dismaying, but it's not surprising. In some states, like Washington, I believe, just adopted a mandatory rule. You also have other states like Texas and Florida, which will not allow schools to have any rules. And then in Colorado, you... Polis has pretty much gone to, it's up to the school district and the counties, even though the state health department has advised, here is what is best. Here is what you should do. It's a very strong recommendation. Will we go to the point where we have a statewide mandate? I don't think so at this point, as long as the numbers kind of trend down a little bit from where they're going in Colorado. But we would certainly like to see the tempers calm down a little bit.
0: David, Douglas County is an interesting point for me because you have county commissioners saying no mask mandate. You have a school district saying, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, we're actually going to have one. Uh, who has the authority in that race?
2: It, it, it's not clear. And you'd have to go back to the, the statutes that, that set them up. Um, but it's also one thing that is very clear is that uh, some of the people who put up the lawn signs, I believe in science and all that, most of them have never read a scientific study on this topic. And the science is, and the studies are much more mixed uh, than the believe-in-science people uh, acknowledge. There's not one nation in Europe that imposes mask mandates on, child, on on small children. The European Centers for Disease Control recommends against it because when you take a precautionary approach, you look at the whole picture of health and well-being and... It's well known and obvious that small children need visual cues from people who are talking to them to socialize, to to learn how to talk. And now we're going to have some children who have been deprived of that in school uh, for years. And I think the, the harms of that greatly outweigh the infection risks.
0: Governor Jared Polis, uh, alongside tribal leaders, rescinded the 19th century proclamations that resulted in the Sand Creek Massacre and other acts of violence to Native Americans. Surrounding the rescission were conversations about the history of Colorado and its treatment of Natives and the trickle-down effect proclamations like these caused. Ian, we start with you on this one. How significant were the actions we saw this week?
4: Well, I mean, there's something. But after talking with those in the Native community, we want more. Uh, my ancestors are Hickory Apache, a.k.a. Dinde, and Wingay, which used to be called the San Juan Pueblo. Uh, we want to start by saying we need to put an end to line three. We need our officials to stand up to these transnational corporations that are seeking to be the end of us, according to the IPCC, the International Panel for Climate Change. We also want to acknowledge the missing and murdered indigenous women that surround this industry and this work. And we want to talk about land back. Um, You know, this is happening at CSU with the Hughes Stadium. That's also happening with CU with their 300 acres. I myself sit on a diversity inclusion for the um, Natural Resources Committee uh, or uh, division for the state of Colorado, and we've been arguing about Fisher's Peak, right? Here we are changing the names from colonizers, and yet we're giving new ones uh, at the same time. And so, you know, I was invited to this event. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it. What I told Jared Polis' staff is, you know, this is a, a step. They all add up, but until you're really giving us our land back, uh, you know, there's not much else we can say. You know, my ancestors owned. Uh claimed and protected for years the you know, the sand dunes as one of our sacred places you can go there and see books about us yet we don't have a reservation uh, we don't have our own land in the state of colorado unfortunately only two do yet because we were the headwater state so many peoples came here for the abundance of the ecology and so we have a lot of work to do i hope i see jared polis trying to take a victory lap on this we're clear it's not a victory lap to us all the way
0: Patty, you and Westford have covered uh, Sand Creek uh, in addition to a lot of issues related to this for a long time. Um, how, how big of a step was this for Governor Polis? Where do you think he goes from here?
1: Well, when you look back over the history of the state, this actually was a very big step. Not when you look at what happened to the indigenous peoples, but when you look at how history's been taught. People didn't hear about Sand Creek 25 years ago in Colorado. They didn't even identify the site of the actual massacre until about two decades ago. It became a national historic site. If you've never been there, you should go. It's an amazing place. Um, So people slowly have begun to understand what it means who weren't introduced to it earlier. In 2014, which is the 150th anniversary of the Sand Creek Massacre, Governor Hickenlooper stood up and apologized on behalf of the state to the descendants of those who had been killed there. So that was a major move. It's just starting, there's so much more. I listened yesterday morning, I was at that ceremony um, On. Tuesday but I also listened yesterday the state naming board when you're looking at all the other things that need to be renamed in this state we have five different proposals to change the name of Mount Evans and that's not the only thing we're gonna have to deal with with Mount Evans who lost his territorial position because of what happened at Sand Creek but we still have a street named after him we have a town named after him and we have a lot of names that are insulting to the people of this state
2: David what did you think of the move from Polis well, it had no legal effect because the uh, they, those proclamations uh, expired by their own terms. They were issued in the middle of the Colorado War, which was a land-back movement started by the Cheyenne, the Arapaho, and the Apache to exterminate the settlements in Colorado and get their land back. And they got off to a quite good start. There were only three trails going into Colorado. Everyone was shut down. Uh, the mail... Mail was shut down, all the telegraph lines were, cu- were cut, and uh, the, uh, the settlers in Colorado came close to starvation during that war. That war ended on October 14th, 1865, uh, when the Cheyenne, Arapaho, and uh, uh, Apache signed the Treaty of the Upper Arkansas, which brought the war to the end and the end of the proclamations. In the course of that war, the Sand Creek Massacre was a war crime and it, because it included the execution of noncombatant uh, women and children who had been captured. And the United States government in that treaty uh, acknowledged the gross and wanton outrages at Sand Creek and paid reparations. So the federal government's been on top of this uh, matter for a long time. And uh, there's still quite obviously a great deal of ignorance in Colorado, not only about what happened at Sand Creek, but also about the broader context of the war.
3: Pan, wrap it up for us. You know, there's a recurrent theme that is occurring in our society where I think we're beginning to have to understand we've got to make right for the history in this country, whether it's land back uh, for indigenous people, whether it's reparations for blacks, whether it's reexamining foreign policy and the injustices that we've committed around the world and some injustices we continue to commit within this country. I think questions are being asked, um, positions are being staked out, and I think change is coming, real and hopefully lasting change is coming because I think younger people are fed up with some of the junk they've been taught, they've watched and they've heard about and they wanna see things done differently. And I say, bravo for them.
0: It's been a great show, but a chatty show. It's time to to uh, go to our favorite part, Disgrace of the Week, but let's do it rather quickly. Patty?
1: Let me return to the Western Slope and Lauren Boebert, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. We just learned this week, because she filled out her financial forms wrong, that her husband earned a million dollars over two years consulting with oil and gas.
2: David. Disgraceful is the behavior of Afghanistan's former president is the current legitimate president of Afghanistan, the former vice president. Amruli Saleh uh, is leading guerrilla resistance in the Pandashir Valley against the Taliban, a group that has support of only about 5 percent of the Afghan population and wants to impose a foreign ideology on them. Penn. Uh, that we've had
3: restrictions placed on the Colorado River because as a society, we just haven't been careful about how we use a precious resource we can't replace, water.
0: And those restrictions are coming up upriver. They will flow
4: upstream. <laughs> Ian. Yeah, I'd like to call out the Aurora City Council for voting down having a climate crisis committee, given everything that we're seeing. And uh, day after day of air quality, it makes no sense to me. Time to say something nice about somebody. Patty.
1: Peaches. The Palisade Peaches are in. You can go to three different festivals across Colorado this year, in Lafayette and Fort Collins and Palisade.
0: They finally had a fantastic weather year, so go and get your Palisade Peaches. David.
2: The Colorado, school, uh, Colorado Springs School District 49, which has put an end to teaching racist junk in the classroom, uh, such as the idea that only white people uh, are punctual and logical.
3: And a shout out to Boulder City Council and the city of Boulder, where a week ago yesterday, I'm proud to say that uh, the municipal building has been renamed the Penfield W. Tate II Municipal Building. I was pleased to see them honor my
4: dad in that fashion. Here, here. Ian, oh, congratulations to that. Uh, I'd like to shout out the Waste No More team—a group of young activists that I trained on how to run about initiative. We turned in seventeen thousand signatures, almost double what we needed. We trained fifty individuals, young leaders, uh, people of color, and women in leadership from the beginning and in the suburbs. So watch out here—they're coming to run their own issues.
0: Well, you know me to Say Something Nice. I uh, usually use this a good platform for birthday greetings for my family. If I forget the one on Sunday, I'm really in trouble. So it is my wife's annual anniversary of her 29th birthday on Sunday. So happy birthday, <laughs> Paula, and hope it is a good one. Uh, I also want to give a, a Say Something Nice to all of the viewers and members out there reaching out to Colorado Inside Out with your thoughts and becoming part of uh, our membership team, uh, becoming a member of PBS 12. As you know, we're in the midst of our August pledge drive. So if you love this show, you have yet to become a member, uh, take time to go to our website right now and join the crowd. It's the cool thing to do. Uh, for everybody here at PBS 12 and Colorado Inside Out, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for watching. Good night.